This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Scottish recording artist Sheena Easton crashed the big 80s and gained worldwide success with hits such as 9 to 5 Morning Train, Modern Girl and For Your Eyes Only, the theme song from the James Bond movie and We've Got Tonight, her duet with Kenny Rogers. Her later work with Prince also proved a success, spawning Strut, Sugar Walls and You Got the Look. She's a two-time Grammy Award winner, has recorded 16 studio albums, six gold albums and one platinum and has sold over 20 million records worldwide. Hello, Sheena. How are you going? Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. <laughs> it's been a while since we've uh, touched base with you, uh, Sheena, here in Australia. What's been happening? Because I believe you're hitting on a Greatest Hits tour. What can we expect to see from you? Well, you're going to expect, hopefully, um, if, if you know my music and you're a fan, you're going to hear the songs that you've loved, the hits, the, the songs from the 80s and the 90s. It's a nostalgia night. Uh, if you hate the 80s and the 90s and you can't stand my music, don't bother coming because you're going to hate it. It's going to suck for you. But, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's the same as the show that I do in the States for my fans here. I focus on the music. I focus on the songs. There's not a bunch of dancers and costume changes and exploding things and flying, you know, set pieces. It's really just an intimate look back at the years of my career. Is it true you didn't consider a singing career until you watched the movie The Way We Were with Barbara Streisand? You know, Bab singing over the opening credits had somewhat an effect on you, did it? No, that's not true. I've heard that, and that, I think that comes from a quote from me at one point when I was asked years ago about influences. By the time I heard The Way We Were, I was a teenager, and I'd, I'd been singing my heart out as a kid and dreaming about being a, a singer, you know, since as far as back as I could remember, literally, as a preschooler, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, be like the ladies I saw on TV. In my, uh, in my teenage years, of course, at that point, when The Way We Were came out, I was in high school and, and seriously considering what I wanted to do for a career, and I had this crazy idea that I could go off and, and go to drama school, which I ended up doing, and, you know, get some sort of performing career going. And a lot of that was due to the fact that when I heard Barbara Streisand's voice at the end of The Way We Were, I, I felt how it, it really touched me. It really meant something to me. Her voice moved me. And I had the feeling of, God, I wish someday I could do that for somebody else. And, uh, you know, Joni Mitchell she meant so much to me when I was a teenager. I used to listen to her music, and I felt like she was singing about what I had felt or what I had gone through, even though I'd had no experience in life. But, you know, you always think that your the songs are about your life. And I was lucky enough that I, I managed to become a, a, a professional, and my fans will come to me and they'll talk to me about the songs that have personal meaning for them and how they've maybe helped them through a tough time in their life or maybe it was a song that they celebrated to or danced to. So it's great to know that I've been able to be a part of some people's lives. She don't build her world around no single man But she's getting back doing what she can 
you pursued acting, Sheena, with television roles from Miami Vice to Young Blade back in the 80s, along with some uh, voiceover work that you did for some cartoons. You've also played the role of Betty Rizzo in, uh, in Greece on a Broadway show back in 1996. Have you ever considered going back to, to tally or Broadway again? Well, the first Broadway role that I did was way before I did Greece. I did a year in Man of La Mancha with Raul Julia back, I guess it was 89 or 90. That was my first Broadway experience. And, you know, for me, because I went to drama school when I was 17, I always kind of had the music and, and drama side by side. So, yeah, it's something that I considered doing. I made a very conscious decision when my, I, first of all, when I chose to adopt my kids, but when they when they were babies, I could drag them all over the place. And I did, you know, we traveled and I took them everywhere I went. But when they were coming up to be five, they needed stability. They needed to start school and settle in. So that's when I chose to go to Vegas and sit down. I did two and a half years of eight shows a week and, you know, established kind of having my cake and eat it too. I got to be with my my kids during the day like a normal person. and, And then I could go and do my show at night for a couple of hours. So I've spent, you know, all of their years of making sure that I wasn't an an away-from-home mom. You know, I'd travel a little bit, but I was always home most of the time. That took me away from L.A., which is where I was able to do the voiceovers. So in order to do that, I'd have to go back there, and I'd have to kind of establish that as something that I was committed to doing. My kids are still, you know, they're not, they're, they're based in Nevada. So while my kids are in Nevada, I'll be in Nevada. But yeah. Now that they're they're grown up, they're, you know, 20 and 21 in college and off doing their own thing, I have the freedom, I guess, now to possibly consider doing some more of the acting work. So it, it's something that I would consider for the future. Yeah, it, it, if it comes up, I would consider it. What comes up the most often are offers to do Broadway roles. And um, I've always said no because I don't want to commit a year of my life away from home. But now I could consider doing something like that. Nine to Five was released in the US as Morning Train, Nine to Five, in order to avoid confusion with the, the Dolly Parton hit Nine to Five. The song hits number one here in Australia and number one in the US for two weeks, selling over a million copies. Did you have to have a chat to Dolly about that at all? You know, I didn't get to meet Dolly until much later. We have mutual friends and we were at a dinner party together and it never came up because the title of a song, it was kind of irrelevant. My, her song was a hit, my song was a hit. It didn't really matter. My song, some people call it that train song. Yeah, the song about the train. Sing the song about the train. So it kind of, that wasn't really important. If there had been a knockdown drag out fight, I would say Dolly would, she would have the rights to it because her song was named after the movie 
nine to five that she starred in. So I kind of think a movie title song gets dibs. For Your Eyes Only, if somebody had said, you're going to have to change that because there's another song called For Your Eyes Only, that would have bothered me because that was the song from the movie, For Your Eyes Only. So it kind of went hand in hand. But, you know, changing it from morning from nine to five to morning train, eh, that didn't matter. Now, Sheena, you've seen the change and the shape of the music industry change quite significantly over the years, including, you know, the involvement and the use of of social media and engaging with fans. How do you feel about the industry as a whole? And what does it mean to you in getting your records out into the public eye, whether it be through the use of social media or, you know, pressing some, you know, records and CDs for your fans? Well, I don't record anymore. I haven't recorded in a long time. And my fans are pissed at me because that's one thing that they really want me to do. And I I might, but it's not in my immediate agenda. So, And I'm not good at social media. I don't pretend to be. It's not something that that interests me. I fought very hard when I had a, a, a career where I was in the public eye all the time. And that was, you know, I was putting out albums and touring and constantly on TV and the attention that goes along with it. I never felt comfortable with that. You know, I I always wished I could go do my shows and then kind of become invisible and, and, and go off and nobody recognize me. So that the concept of tweeting out a thought on a daily basis or a picture of your breakfast or that is really uncomfortable for me. I'm not good about that. I, I mean, I just, I just literally recently uh, made a Facebook page to go with my website uh, for my really close fans that um, communicate and, and send in their ideas and thoughts, and I'm just starting to get comfortable with that. So I'm, I'm not good. I'm not the perfect example of a social person when it comes to that. I understand that for artists that are, are into that, great. If you're comfortable with that, more power to you. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not me. It's not authentic for me. So I would have to be kind of faking it a little if I was doing one of those, you know, here's my daily thoughts and commenting on everything that happens. So if I ever was put in a position where I a certain project came along that I was interested in, maybe if I decided to go back and do another Broadway role or, or if somebody came to me with a recording idea and said, hey, we want to make an album and... and we want to work with you, and this is what we would do. And then I had to be out there every day commenting and tweeting and posting things. That would be a very tough thing for me to be able to handle. I guess if it was something I was forced to do, I would just learn to get comfortable with it. it it's something that I understand. If I was a, a young person, you know, I'm 56 now. If I was 16 or 26 and trying to break into this industry and trying to get attention have people pay attention to my music, 
I would understand that the only way to break through is through social media. It's so important. It is a tool for artists nowadays to get attention. That's not where my head's at. You know, I, I'm not looking for that level of attention. I'm not looking for that level anymore. I really do concerts now for my fans. I go out and I do three or four shows a month, and it's, it's fan-based. It's nostalgia-based. It's people that are coming because they know who I am, and they know... Uh, the music, and they love the music, and they want to come and hear it. It's not about hype and sensation and something, oh, you've got to go there because if you don't, you'll miss the end thing. That's not what's happening with, with my music, and I can't claim that that's what it is. I don't have to do that anymore. If I was new, I would have to, and I would find a way to deal with it, but I don't, thank God. You have done a lot of uh, genre crossovers as far as succeeding on multiple music charts from R&B to country to pop to dance. Did you feel more comfortable in a certain genre or did you just enjoy dabbling in all kinds? For me, all of that that you said is pop. I grew up in Britain where we had Radio 1 was our main radio station and that's what you turned on and that's where you heard all of your current music. So we heard all of you know the styles, whatever was pop, came in and it would be a country influence thing or it would be R&B or soul as we called it back in the 70s and it would be rock you know we had rock soul and pop and then you know country but it was all played on the one station so I was influenced by all of them and when I came to the states when I was 21 22 that's when I realized that a lot of my contemporaries that grew up in the states they were pigeonholed they grew up where the only listen to country are the only listen to pop or, or, you know, rock or whatever. And I was very grateful that I had had such a broad musical education. And my, my, my mom and my dad, I listened to, you know, the, the standards, the, the music of the, the 40s and the 50s. So that has always played into my musical style. And when you come to see one of my shows, all of those are, are there. They're all very apparent in the show. You know, we touch on all of the the, the genres that are a part of the makeup of, of my career. We talk about my musical influences, and um, we kind of, you know, walk through all of the years that I've worked. So I think that because I was raised with that broad musical education, that's what's made me feel comfortable going from Broadway to a pop stage to going out and, you know, I sing... Well, you know, one weekend I'll be out with my band doing my hit show, and then another weekend I'll be doing a guest vocal spot with, with a symphony orchestra. I perform with the symphonies throughout the United States. So that is something that I'm very grateful for, that I came up in an era and a place where I got to soak up all of those great musical trends. Now, given that you started on a reality show, The Big Time, if you were starting out now, Sheena, would you enter things like The X Factor? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm imagining that I probably would. I think that when we talk about social media, but, you know, I have two kids. They're 20 and 21, but they've grown up with the Internet as part of their, their life. They take it for granted. So... My, my daughter or my son will be in the car and they'll play me something and go, oh, this, is a, this is a dude from YouTube or, or this dude was discovered on Vine or whatever the hell else is like, whatever they're, they're, they're tuning into. And so a lot of young talent, you know, if, if you post something and you get enough followers and you get enough attention, 
then you get people in the industry coming to you and courting you. It used to be back in the day, you'd have to be singing in bands and hope that an E&R person from a record company would come by and hear you. Now, you can put something on the Internet, and literally the whole world gets to hear it. So they'll come to you. And then another way, of course, is you go on a, a, a competition show. But, you know, there's only so many of those in so many spots. But my, my advice would be for anybody, take whatever opportunities come along. You go out there with your music, do what you can do. Some acts, they figure, no, our music doesn't work for that kind of thing. You know, we are more underground. We are more indie. We want to just, you know, do the local club circuit, and that's how we'll be discovered. Whatever you're most comfortable with, you've got to be true to yourself. The most important thing is get out there and perform. I don't care if it's a free show for your friends and and then that goes into something bigger. You post it on the Internet, but get out there and get used to dealing with the comments, people saying, you suck, give it up, and just be you know, Go through it. Just, just ignore it and just keep going. You know, just, just be loud and proud and strong and just do it. Now, Sheena, I'm going to take you back. You were absolutely flying back in 1981, winning the Best New Artist Grammy Award. And then in 1983, We've Got Tonight, a duet that you did with Kenny Rogers, hits the US Top 10 and goes number one on the US country charts. Share that moment with us, Sheena, and, and how calm, cool and collected is it to sing country with Kenny? country music, Kenny Rogers is definitely the way to go. And I, I love country. I, I've always loved country music, and, and I talk about that in my show. My fans know that they're always going to get a country song in the mix, because I, I just love that genre. But uh, Kenny was a, a, a label mate of mine. He was on EMI with me, and he was putting out a new album, and he had the idea to do the Bob Seger song, We Got Tonight, as a duet. And I get the phone call literally saying, hey, would you like to come down and sing it? And so it was something where I said, yeah, and he said, well, can you do it tomorrow? So I really didn't have a lot of time to get nervous, but here I was going down and singing with somebody that I had listened to when I was in high school, you know? I mean, God, Kenny Rogers was huge when I was a teenager, but he is such a, a, a gracious man and very comfortable in himself and a real gentleman, so he made me feel comfortable singing with him and uh it was great it was a very easy project we did it a couple of takes it was done and i think it was mixed and they released it almost within a week it was a very fast thing it was done and out there so it was it was great we got to perform it live together a couple of times i went to sing on one of his shows he performed on my tv special with me and we just recently he had a, a concert celebrating 50 years in show business, and there were so many people there. We all went and we performed with Kenny and celebrated, you know, all of his duet partners, everybody he'd worked with over the years, and it celebrated his amazing achievement. And the man's voice to this day is still, still wonderful. So that is great to have been able to be there and do that.
Now, Sheena, the response from your gay fans and supporters of the LGBTI community has been quite phenomenal over the years. They're such a loyal fan base. What do you think of your uh, LGBTI supporters? Well, you know, I do. I've done tons of, of, of pride dates. And um, what I love about my fans are there's a lot of emotion that comes across in the audience, you know. There's just that connection with the music and there's a, a sense of fun and joy and that makes the night electric for me. And um, I have so many very, very close, close friends that are part of the community and I've grown up with it. So I've always been very accepted and part of the crowd and, and you know, I don't know, just one of the gang, I guess. And I, we all have the same sense of humor. And so I'm very, I'm very happy that I was accepted into the community. And I'm very proud of that. Very proud that I'm still invited to come down, even though I'm not putting records out. I still get calls, hey, can you come down and, and be part of our pride? So, yeah, it's a great thing. Now, Sheena, you're inducted into the Casino Legends Hall of Fame back in 2004. Looking back on such a stellar career, what highlights really stand out for you looking back? I guess when your career is just kind of starting out and you're only looking back on, you know, maybe five years, there's obvious highlights. But I'm looking back over, God, I started singing when I was 17 professionally at 19, and I'm 56 now. So there's a long road behind me. I think what stands out for me is that I've survived it, that I'm still here, and I still get to get up on stage and perform. The longevity of it still makes me feel grateful every single day. I never take it for granted. I never take for granted the fact that I still get to go out and do my job and people still want to hear me sing. I'm often asked, when would you retire? And I say, I'll retire whenever nobody wants to hear me. Whenever nobody shows up, when it's done, when the last fan is gone, that's when I'm retiring. I'll get out there with my walker and sing if they'll have me. (laughs) So that, to me, is what I cherish the most. I also cherish the fact that maybe not so much in Australia because I haven't been there that much, but in the state, I'll go do shows and I can look out in the first three rows. I can spot half a dozen faces that I know really well. I have fans that have grown up with me that I know on a first-name basis that, you know, it's just great to see when I go to certain cities, I go, oh, I'm going to see Chris at this show, or I'm going to see Evelyn at that show, or Alex at this one. That is great. That's continuity, and I love that. But then, you know, there's the obvious highlights. There's the the hits and the, the Grammys and stuff like that. Those were great moments. It's a great thrill to be sitting in an audience and your name gets called, and, and you get the prize, you know, that. That brings out the little kid in you that's getting a gold star for the teacher. We all love to get the medal or the gong or, you know, we love the little trophy. So that was, those are great moments. But honestly, it's the, the combination of all of it. The fact that even when that all dies down, when I'm no longer putting out records and I'm no longer the one in contention for the awards, I still get to go out on stage and I still get to see the smiling faces. And I know it sounds kind of trite, maybe a cliche, but that's really at this point in my life, that's what's important to me. Now I need to ask Shana, how did you come up with the track listing for your fabulous album? Just tracks like, you know, Don't Leave Me This Way, Giving Up, Giving In, Love Is In Control, That's What Friends Are For, Never Can Say Goodbye. Well, for me, that's it. You know, I was approached, would I do... Uh, a, a club album and I wanted to to revisit some of the 
the classic kind of disco and to take some songs and make them disco. They weren't done that way, but let's approach it that way. But really, the producers that worked on that, they were the ones that really kept bringing me songs. And I go, no, nope, don't like that one, don't like that one, don't like that one. I, It was like any other album I've done. I, I kind of like, it's a process of elimination, you know. You have ideas, they hate it. They have ideas, you hate it. You find the ones that you both love, and that's where, how you can both get excited. If you bring a song into the studio and your producer says, I hate this, he is not or she is not going to give it their best. Same goes if somebody, you know, I would record company come to me and say, this is going to be a hit. And I go, that's great. And I'm sure whoever sings it will enjoy having it as a hit. But I can't sing it convincingly. I don't relate to it. I don't feel anything. It just doesn't do it for me. So I've always had to at least enjoy it. If it's not a lyric that moves me, if it's a groove or a rhythm that I, I enjoy, but there has to be a connection. And with that, it was all about the fun. It was all about just having a blast. And I think that's what ended up coming across. One of your best-known duets, Sheena, was the one you did with Prince. Now, this guy has got such a presence and an aura about him. What was it like working with Prince? Well, it was Prince is, in my opinion and in, in many of my musician friends' opinion, one of the greatest musicians of my generation. Whether you're in the business or out of the business, he will stand the test of time when they're looking back as he was one of the greats. And I was lucky enough that he contacted me early on and said, you know, I want to work with you. So that Sugar Walls was the first collaboration. And then after that, we did several other things. And it was just great to be around watch him work. Watching him putting a song together was amazing. He, I'd worked with many other producers before that. He was the first person I'd ever been in the studio with who you go in with an idea of what you're going to do, and something happens accidentally. Usually it was because I would sing the wrong thing because I didn't know the song. You know, he'd, get, he'd like go, here, listen to this. Do you like it? I love it. Let's do it tonight. Tonight? I haven't learned it yet. So let's take 10 minutes and learn it. So I'd go in and I'd mess up and I'd sing. I'd come in early or late or I'd sing the wrong melody line. He'd go, wait a minute, what did you just do there? And I'd go, I don't know, play it back. He'd go, oh, that's not what I wrote, but I like that. Let's keep that and let's change this part. And so he was very good at adapting his own stuff. Some producers and writers and artists, they'll write a song, they have an idea, and they, they won't deviate but he does. When we did You Got the Look, that was never supposed to be a duet. He had done the song as a solo song for his album. He had finished it, and he was came into L.A., and, and he called me up and said, you, you want to come down and hear some of the new stuff? And sometimes I'd say, nah, I'm too tired. I, I'm, I'm flying tomorrow. Or sometimes I'd go, yeah, I'm, I'll come down tonight. You know, play me what you're doing. And I came down and heard this one, and he, he had put the background vocals on he, he put his band on and he said you want to throw some backups on it i'm like yeah and i went in and i started to sing and of course it was the same thing i came in late and it was sort of like a syncopation and he said oh i like how that sounds and he then went on to add more stuff for me to sing and it ended up being on the spot he turned it into a duet and he's the only artist i've ever worked with that does that that doesn't just stick to the plan because he thinks that's what's going to work. And I love that. I love that spontaneity. And I've 
never seen it since, and I don't know if there's anyone else out there that works with that degree of flexibility and is open to changing their own ideas as much. Thanks, Sheena. Well, thank you for having me. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it too. Catch you on the 5th of December at the Palms. All right, great. I'll see you then, guys. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.